Hello, Brian, and welcome to this bonus All Suga special episode of Japan by River Cruise. I'm Bobby Judo. And I'm Ollie Horn. And joining us for this week's special are two guests who are both taking their second tour on the river. The first is journalist and author Jake Edelstein. Jake, despite repeatedly accusing this very podcast of being a shameless mouthpiece working in the financial interests of big river crews, it's nice that you were still willing to come back to share a dissenting voice. Thanks for being here. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Sometimes we have to make moral compromises in our life to be heard. The other guest this week is Derek Westman, entrepreneur, interpreter, and the guy in charge of chartering the swan boats for the Sakurawa Mirukai. Thanks for joining us, Derek. Thanks for having me. On this week's show, the latest hottest thing in Japanese prime ministerial trends. Everything you need to know about Suga. Ali will probably make a text-based pun using the word sugar, and I'll get really mad at him because I'm very strict about Japanese puns only using Japanese pronunciation. Then Derek will tell us how the new boss is slightly better than the old boss, and Jake will tell us how the new boss is responsible for Pizzagate, probably. Plus, Ali's got your River Cruise recommendation. Yes, despite this being a bonus episode, we still have our regular River Cruise content, and this week's recommendation is the new River Cruise as a Service subscription-based River Cruise being trialled in Fukuoka City as part of their new startup incubation initiative. In keeping with the new tradition of things that you used to be able to once buy, but now you have to pay a monthly fee to continue owning, this cruise promises not to tie you into any contracts other than the one you sign up for during your free trial, and has asked us to remind listeners that it does clearly state in the small print that if you want to cancel the subscription, you can, but you'll need to do so in person by swimming to the boathouse between the hours of 8 and 8.30 in the morning after a visible full moon the night before. Once you're there, you can cancel easily in two clicks. Also, later in the show, Ali and I will rehearse our pitch for a fish-out-of-water Netflix drama about two quirky Western guys in the wacky world of Japanese whitewater rafting. You can help us decide whether we should lead or close with the joke about riverboats being the original streaming service. But first, there's big stuff going on this week, so let's go ahead and jump right into the news. Not bad, but I'd still like to do it myself. The news! Holly Horn, what's going on in the news? Well, big news in Japan. There's a new prime minister. Why? Because Prime Minister Abe has resigned. My guess is he wanted to resign after the Olympics, but deep down knows that the Olympics might not happen this year, next year, or indeed ever. That's Ali's guess. Uh, Jake wrote an article suggesting that it was because of scandals, but that's clearly not true. We all know it's because of ulcerative colitis. And only ulcerative colitis. Jake, I don't know why you would suspect it was anything else. Well, I, I think that it's true he can no longer stomach the job, but I don't think his <laughs> I, I don't think his ulcerative colitis uh, was the total reason for him leaving it, and uh, and many are speculating that that was actually uh, just Abe not taking his meds for a week, so he looked terrible and had a better excuse to resign. But who knows? You think he'd go that far? You think he'd he'd not take his medicine so when he made his appearances he could look like he was sicker than he was? Yeah, totally. That's totally the Abe we know and know and despise. Um, a loser from start <laughs> to finish. Um, he is doing a sort of rerun of his last, you know, one year bout in the as prime minister, in which he also left with all sort of colitis. So I kind yeah. of feel like we've been watching like a seven year rerun of two thousand six, two thousand seven Abe. Well, 2020 definitely feels like it's seven years long. Oh, yeah, it does. But for any uh, more recent Japan newbies, they might not remember the era that you're talking about, the era in which we had a Japanese, a different Japanese prime minister every other week. 
This is true. You know, may I take the opportunity here to break down Japanese politics like the last 60, 70 years in, in about in about two minutes? I'll time myself here. Uh, yes, please do that. Okay. So right now, the party running Japan, and they've been running Japan mostly since 1955 when they founded as the Liberal Democratic Party, which everyone jokes is neither liberal nor democratic. It was founded in 1955 with the aid of a war criminal CIA employee and Yakuza blood brother named Yoshio Kodama. And ever since then, it has been run kind of like the Yakuza, um, except that instead of doing extortion, they take political donations. Um, Abby's grandpappy, um, Kushinobosuke, um, who was arrested as a war criminal and had visions of returning Japan to imperial glory and getting rid of democracy and pacifism and all the terrible things that the United States um, put on Japan and imposed on this country after uh, after the war was won, and including equal rights for women. Um, a terrible thing that we put in the Constitution. Sorry about that, by the way. Just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, Sorry. We, we can blame Bates Shiroda, uh, the only woman in the room when they were drawing a draft of the Constitution and, and, and the Japanese public for basically voting people into power who approve that constitution. But moving on, um, the LDP, uh, which is archly conservative, which has wanted for years to scrap the constitution that we have now, uh, has been ruling Japan ever since. Um, Abe's grandfather, who basically raised him, uh, had to resign in 1960, 61. I'm, I'm forgetting the years here after passing a very unpopular um, security treaty with the United States. And Abe himself has always had this dream, um, even in 2006, 2007, of restoring Japan to its imperial glory, um, putting in his own version of the Constitution and making history, and realizing his grandfather's dreams of uh, stronger imperial Japan that would make J Korea and China um, lick their boots and return things to the golden age of the greater Eastern Cold Prosperity Sphere. And here we are now, um, after Abe's had seven years in power in which he's failed to do the things he wanted to do. But his number two, um, and we'll get to this, is taking over the reins. So what stopped him? Uh, incompetence. Uh, missed his chance. Uh, when, he, when, he had, uh, when, he, when he had the numbers, he just didn't take the chance. Maybe, maybe fear. Um, I mean, he was close. Uh, whether coronavirus stopped him or, is, or the multiple scandals that, you know, inflicted, that kept... Uh, causing problems for the Abe administration, most of them involving around doing favors for his cronies. Um, all these things. Oh, and one of the things that also stopped him was the emperor. Right as he really had the momentum to, you know, maybe put a referendum on the ballot about changing the constitution, the emperor announced suddenly, I'm going to abdicate. And that created a huge hubbub. And suddenly that, that moment was lost. Suddenly nobody was this was the like, referendum that was about um, changing Japan's ability to defend itself? No, no, he managed to put that through. Um, but around the time the emperor decided that he would abdicate, there was really, he had the numbers and he was really pushing forward, like, let's debate changing the constitution. We'll just, art, we'll just alter one article at once, and, you know, maybe a few later. Uh, and then the emperor announced that he was going to abdicate and that uh, uh, he'd like to do that as soon as possible. And suddenly, you know, that became the topic of conversation and all this talk of changing the constitution sort of got pushed to the side for a while. So maybe, you know, the emperor really did strike back. Nobody knows. But that's so one that's time an on balance. So that's an on balance, not a huge fan of Abbe Jake opinion. Derek, would you like to spend an <laughs> equal amount of time explaining why you love the man? Well, well don't, don't, uh, I, I'm not on the show as the Abbe uh, fan 
by any means. Um, <laughs> so you actually worked as an as an aide to somebody in the Japanese diet, didn't you? Yeah, exactly. I mean, so my, obviously my view is is colored by that experience, uh, no doubt. And I mean, what Jake said about how the LDP has always wanted to change the constitution—that's absolutely true. I always, I always. Uh, I always laugh a little bit when people talk about uh, wanting to return Japan to its imperial glory, uh, because I think that that's a, an enormous, uh, yeah, I, an enormous fallacy. Japan lost a lot of wars, in their, even in their imperial peak. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, the, it's just it's it's funny that every time uh, there's a new uh, prime minister, or uh, in more recent you know years, every time there's every time there's a new law that the LDP wants to pass. Uh, it's going to lead us to a land war in Asia. And, uh, you know, every time it, it gets passed uh, and Japan just goes along the same way. And so it's just kind of an interesting thing. Uh, I would say, though, um, that absolutely Abe failed to, you know, get his, get his referendum. And uh, a lot of the factors Jake cites are, are absolutely right. And, you know, my kind of view of it, actually, you know, you hear a lot about the Nippon Kaigi, which is a really uh, conservative group that supports a lot of politicians in the diet. And uh, my, main, my main view of the Nippon Kaigi is that uh, they are the greatest uh, fraud victim in Japan <laughs> because they give and give and give and give to all of these politicians and they get almost nothing for it. So that was your rundown of politics up until now. Jake, your position seems to be that it really is the handling of corona, or the mishandling of the coronavirus pandemic, and the scandals, like the, uh, the what was the name of the Gakuen? It was something... Oh, there's Kake Gakuen, there's Moritomo Gakuen. Yeah. Um, and, and both of those, to be summarized really, really simply, is an extreme right-winger who is friends with Abe and his wife were going to build an elementary school, which is going to be called Abe... Abe Memorial Elementary School, um, even though Abe is not dead yet. Um, and uh, the land for that school was sold at, you know, a, a tenth of its value. So the land was worth about $8 million. It was sold for $1 million. Um, everyone felt that that was something was very wrong about that. And there is strong evidence that Abe personally leaned in and told the Ministry of Finance to sell it cheaply to these nutty right-wingers. Um, the Kakogakuen scandal is... One of Abi's close friends um, wanted to open a veterinary school in an area that was deemed a special district mm -hmm. of Japan and that a lot of the regulations and things that should have made that impossible were shunted on behalf of Abe. Once again, documents were shredded, um, are falsified, and that was uh, a huge thing. The, the real thing that is, that is putting Abe in a lot of trouble right now is the other two scandals is the Cherry Blossom Beauty scandal, in which, mm -hmm. to summarize it very simply, he used public funds to wine and dine his supporters, or right. may have done that, right. which is a clear violation of the election law. And the second one, which is going on trial today, incidentally, uh, this trial, um, which would have, which has been very embarrassing for the Liberal Democratic Party, um, was halted yesterday after uh, the accused fired all his lawyers. But Abe's former Minister of Justice, the person Abe appointed to be Minister of Justice, a guy named Katsuyuki Kawaii, and his wife, Anri, are on trial for bribing officials in Hiroshima. And the reason that they are supposedly bribed officials is that last year, um, Abe's, Abe wanted to put someone in Hiroshima who was friendly to him and basically crush his rival in Hiroshima. There's actually an LDP um, upper house member in 
Hiroshima, who Abe doesn't like because he once made fun of Abe. So there was $1.5 million was spent getting this woman, um, Kawai's wife, elected. And as part of that election strategy, you know, uh, the Mr. and Mrs. Kawai are accused of handing out hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm. Of course, the problem is, you know, was the $1.5 million that the Liberal Democratic Party gave to fund, fund their campaign used to bribe officials? And as Abe, as president of the Liberal Democratic Party, did he know about it? Um, that's a huge scandal that's haunting him as well. So he's got those two scandals haunting him. And, of course, right around the time that he resigned is when the trial of his former buddy uh, and former minister of justice began. Mm. Okay. I did not know that. I kind of had the sense that Abe was doing a Donald Trump thing where it was just scandal after scandal that you heard about them and they got dealt with by the news, but he he was remaining largely unaffected by them. So I didn't really have the sense that there was this this stuff catching up to him that would have forced him out at this time. Yeah, two major scandals um, pursuing him right now. One scandal involving the cherry blossom viewing thing in which the, the prosecutors are at least actively still looking at the case. So has Abe gone to protect the LDP? Is that the strategy? Mm, I would say Abe's gone to gone to protect his own ass. Um, usually, <laughs> usually there's this wonderful word in, in Japanese uh, law enforcement called shakai seisai, which means like social punishment. And so prosecutors who really hate to lose their a case in Japan, because you know they win 99% of them, are often willing to let a politician get away with something if they will resign from office. And then then they will quietly say to the reporters, you know, well, they resigned and took social punishment and have been humiliated, so that's good enough justice has been served. Mm. Uh, and that seems to be what happened in Abe's case. Uh, he resigns, and then all these investigations into his other things, maybe they will go away. Derek, thoughts on uh, the timing for Abe stepping down? Yeah, I mean, I think... Uh I don't think it had anything to do with his uh, cases that were involved with him just because, A, the Moritomo, uh, the Kakegakuen, the Sakura Mirukai happened already, what, already came to light or were, you know, became a big deal, yeah. you know, yeah, several years ago. Yeah, that was the sense ago, that I had. And then, you know, for others. So, I, and there's never been any, you know, evidence uh, proffered that, that ties him to it directly. It's always well, you know. This was this was his will, and the bureaucrats were doing what he wanted. The issue of but there's never any evidence. Sontaku, like reading. Yeah, into it's all the what the superior thing. wants and acting on it, which allows like, them plausible deniability. Which I think we'll come back to when we get exactly. into Jake's article about the new boss. Right. Well, I don't uh, can think of myself as on this uh, to be the advocate for the obvious side by any by any means, because uh, that would be a terrible, terrible position to be in. Uh, what I would say, what I would say is, you've, Derek, um, you've already you've already gone on record as uh, not supporting <laughs> land wars in Asia, which I took it to mean you want them carpet bombed by drones. Right. I mean, now I'm going to be murdered by Suga's Yakuza buddy, right? Uh, for saying. Uh, uh, which one? Which one? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. No, but but the one other thing is the Sakura Mirakai one is interesting because that's something that uh, the DPJ was totally doing as well. Uh, it's a party that is given by the prime minister for whoever they want to invite. But what Abe did was he started inviting way more people and using it way much, you know, way more as a uh, reward for support. And so he kind of uh, he kind of went over the line on that. Uh, it's thought. So anyway, 
Uh, but and the other one is the the money coming from LDP. Uh, I don't think that was ever going to tie to him specifically being criminally culpable. But, uh, uh, yeah. probably maybe not criminally culpable, but morally it looks really bad to have approved. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it looks bad. And for listeners who aren't familiar with the political situation in Japan, they might be surprised after hearing all of this that people ever vote for these people. I mean, that, that said, we do have the prime minister we have in the UK and there's the president we have in the state. So maybe it does make sense. But why did Abe have such popularity and why well, do Japanese people vote for the LDP if they're such rotters? I understand the thinking that LDP has been in power, uh, you know, by means of, of nefarious, uh, you know, methods and whatnot. But it really, I think, just comes down to the voters only vote the LDP out of power, out of yeah. power when they find the situation to be so disagreeable that that they're motivated to actually go vo- vote. Just real quick, that's, I, I want to remind everybody because because we are all somewhat versed to different degrees, but somewhat versed in the way politics work in Japan. I just want to make sure that the listeners know that Japanese people don't vote for the prime minister. I think we might be forgetting that some people don't know that. Mm. Yeah, and Ali might have been sure. one of them. No, uh, not at all. I mean, <laughs> Japan has a very similar system to the, to yeah. the UK, but ultimately, but. But ultimately, although you don't yeah. directly vote for the prime minister, you do in a roundabout way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's the prime minister that leads the campaign. And when people are going to the ballot box, that is the person that they're thinking of. And I think that there will be people who don't really understand quite how this party, because, I mean, this party is a right wing party. They're definitely further to the right than the conservatives in the UK. There's a lot of Republicans, uh, right wing Republicans in the US that would feel very at home uh, in the LDP and maybe even uh, be shocked about how right wing they are. Yeah. So I do think it's important to understand that this is a surprisingly right wing party that is doing very, very well in the Japanese polls. And Japanese voters have voted for Abe. LDP is a right-wing party in many ways, and they're very much a social centrist party in a lot of ways. They do a lot of things that keep people happy, like universal health care, which you know, you'd have to pay some for, but it's not mm. terrible. They do a lot of things that keep people sufficiently happy. <laughs> so it basically comes down to LDP continues to win, except when they're so egregious that people are motivated to actually go vote and then they lose enough seats in the diet that they can't, you know, keep having the government. But what it really comes down to, in my in in my opinion, is life isn't that bad in Japan generally, and people are pretty much okay with it. I, I think that you know, Abe's one of the secrets of Abe's success is okay. There's not only is there no real opposition party left um, to be voted out of power, but you know, and his support ratings have been, you know, about 45% for, you know, most of his time in office. It's not pre-corona. Like, uh, pre, pre-corona, but consistently, you know, he yeah. has scandals and they, they go down to 30% and then people forget and they go back to 45%. But, there, you know, I don't think there's ever really been a time when it's like 70% or 80% of the public supported Abe. And with his own political party, um, he's such uh, he's such a vicious, unforgiving controlling person that no one wants to cross him um are they risk sort of being ostracized within their own party uh and you know the, the liberal democratic party which is i i often compare to the yakuza i mean because it was started with yakuza money to behave like yakuza even their business structures like the yakuza yeah i mean if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck and it's missing a talon it might be a yakuza duck <laughs> it's built of these multiple warring factions <laughs> I think in Abe's faction, the faction that backs him, I think, is the Hosokawa faction. And it's like... Hosoda. Hosoda, yeah, Hosoda. I always get the, I always get Hosoda and Hosokawa confused. Um, yeah, the Hosoda faction. 
has like 97 uh, members making it. Cruise. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and with, with, a, with the biggest faction backing you in the LDP, that gives you a lot of power to stay within the LDP. And, you know, in his own prefecture, Yamaguchi prefecture, I think, he, um, he is, uh, you know, he's the only real, you know, candidate they've got. So that's about the only person in support. So his, his longevity is both, you know, uh, the L, you know the, the lack of there being any real opposition to the LDP, and that he's got the numbers behind him mm-hmm. in the LDP itself. Derek, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think uh, the longevity of the LDP and the longevity of Abe in this in this uh, administration are are a bit separate. But the longevity of the LDP kind of thrives on a cycle of LDP is the party that you're going to go to if you need something done or if you need funding for your town because they're the ones in power. And so their local politicians benefit from the connection to the party that's in national power. Local politician base is what supports a national politician in his elections, in his districts or her, her districts. And so if you can't build up a local base of politicians that local citizens like to support, because they get goods from, then they can't really build up a national base that means anything. That's what it comes down to with the opposition. So Ozawa Ichiro was a person who got the opposition to coalesce without really being ideologically unified. And then he got them into power because they were so tired of LDP and all of its BS. And what happened after that was he tried to get them to build local bases with their local politicians, you know, city or prefectural people that would support a national politician's organization, but he couldn't get it done. So, I mean, it just comes back and back to the uh, local politics. Derek, you've worked in, was it the upper house or the lower house? Lower house, that's right. And it's the lower house that votes in the new prime minister. And so before we talk about this new character, perhaps we should just talk about... But upper upper house ratified. Yes, that's right. So why don't we talk about the mechanism involved in choosing this new prime minister? The party that has the most votes in the diet in the lower and upper houses uh, will obviously choose the leader of their party in Japanese mm. politics uh, to become their prime minister candidate. It, it, so in this case, Suga won the election inside the LDP to become the LDP yeah. president, and therefore he became their automatic candidate in a prime minister vote at the diet. This is very similar to the UK system, where you can have a new prime minister on the basis that they are the, the party leader. And so really, the, the question now is, why did the LDP choose this individual to be their new leader? Yeah, and I, I'd like to get both of your opinions on this, because I feel a little bit kind of embarrassed saying this in this company, but I tend to be a very one-issue voter. And I, I had positive opinions about Suga. Like, I, I'm a one-issue guy. I support Donald Trump just based on the one issue that I would like to die sooner rather than later. Uh, <laughs> similarly, as a foreigner in Japan, I wanted a cheaper cell phone plan. So I was like, Suga's my guy. <laughs> Jake, he did that for us, right? He did, he did do that for us. It's true. Every time I look at my soft bank bill for a second, I'm like, God damn it. Thank you, Suga. <laughs> <laughs> so what does Suga bring the LDP? What Suga brings is a few things. He proved himself as a very capable chief cabinet secretary. And the chief cabinet secretary in Japanese politics is the person who answers questions basically daily about the current cabinet. So he's the spokesman. And if, if somebody does a bad job as chief cabinet secretary, 
then that prime minister and its cabinet is is in a lot of trouble. Suga was a very steady, you know, ex- exceedingly boring press conference giver, and that helps with the way Japanese, uh, I think, voters look at a cabinet. Was he boring because you he know, didn't answer questions? Definitely. Yeah. yeah, he was really good at avoiding questions, really good at giving the same uh, iron plate question, you know, answers every time. And uh, as was well chronicled, if he got into locking horns with a given reporter, then he would freeze them out and not answer their questions, especially, you know, vigorously. Oh, yeah. So, and that all sounds bad, but the party saw him as keeping things steady, even if not exceedingly popular. Jake, you give him credit for uh, Japan's freedom of the press declining in recent years, right? Um, yeah, about 40 points. Well, you know, when Abe finished his disastrous run and, uh, and all the time Suga, you know, like a, like a loyal, I guess, party wife was in the background supporting him going, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll, do it, we'll do it better next time. Uh, he realized that, you know, part of Abe's problem was that the press just crucified him. I mean, he crucified him because he did such a terrible job and he was involved in scandal after scandal. So from the very beginning of the Abe administration, Suga was the one who formulated a plan of basically, you know, as they say in Japanese, using the candy and the whip to keep the media in shape. So some of the first things that he orchestrated were whining and dining the tops of every media company. Mm. You know, it's a lot harder to be critical of the people that you're having drinks with every night. I wouldn't say it was every media company because we never got an invite. Yeah, no. Th- th- that's true. I-, I think that, you know, if, if, if Abe had been in power another two years, I think that you guys would have gotten your chance. I don't think they've really woken up to the power podcast yet. That's okay. But- We've got a Nomikai schedule with Motegi for next week. <laughs> oh, that's good. He's, <laughs> He's a River Cruise guy. <laughs> He's a really good I- English... I- at He's least really I think that's speaker. what he said. I couldn't understand his English, and he couldn't understand my Japanese. <laughs> that's right. Don't worry, we, we, I've already booked an interpreter. She's Polish, but I think she's going to do a good job. <laughs> yeah. no, speak to him in Korean, because he's really good with Korean. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Korean restaurant we're going to. <laughs> oh, it's good, it's good. Good planning. Uh, that should be a wonderfully successful Nomi guy. Um, and, and so, you know, uh, whether it was orchestrating attacks on the Asahi Shimbun, um, and are, are freezing out to the Tokyo Shimbun newspaper reporter, um, are getting people from NHK fired. You know, Suga was the mastermind of that. He was also the one who suggested that I'll be like, why don't you point people to the NHK's board that are sympathetic to your viewpoints so we don't have to deal with, you know, what is considered, what was considered the, the BBC of Japan and is now considered the Fox News of the Abe administration, NHK, mucking up things for us. This sounds incredibly cunning coming from a strawberry farming country boy. He is not a, I mean, you know, (laughs) he's not a country boy. He grew up in the countryside. The media is celebrating him as kind of like a self-made farm figure, aren't they? A little bit? Uh, You know, uh, I grew up on a farm in Missouri and I would never call myself a farm boy. Yeah, I, I think that this uh, this farm boy coverage of uh, Suga, it's funny because people who are not inclined to like the LDP are just livid about this coverage of Suga as a uh, as a country boy, you know, as coming up from nothing, building himself like like the hero of the LDP of the 70s, Tanaka Kakue. But the funny thing is, this is just the usual Japanese media playbook. They always embrace a new figure, the newest thing. They build them up, and then as soon as they have a chance, they're going to be cutting him down. Yeah. So you're saying he's like the bubble tier of politics. He'll have his season, then people he's, will get bored. He won't be as he won't be nearly as popular as the bubble tea uh, has been. But but he might be as sweet as tapioca. 
I, I, you know, I think tapioca isn't actually sweet unless you put it in sweet milk. It's just, I, I'm not a tapioca expert, so I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to mark my, I'm going to mince my words. I'm afraid the extent of the joke is that uh, sugar sounds a bit like sugar. People like you are going to make Donald Trump say sugar. It's going to be your fault. But yeah, yeah, they always do this. They always build somebody up. Uh, they give them a little grace period. And then the, you know, the first, uh, inevitable cabinet cabinet member or vice cabinet you know vice minister of whatever is going to be found to have uh illegal donations from non-citizens or something they have all these stories ready to go they just don't deploy them yet uh, they're waiting for the grace period and then they'll then they'll go out that's very kind of them so so so, so take heart uh. So, Jake, uh, in the article that you published on the Daily Beast about Suga recently, one of the things you also credit him with is for contributing to this culture of, of sontaku in a way that sontaku means kind of anticipating and acting oh. on behalf of somebody else, right? Yeah. Sontaku is really, you know, a, a word that's only come into prominence after the Moritomo Gakuen case. Right. In which, you know, in which basically bureaucrats, you know, sort of, were accused of like, and basically they sort of said, well, the prime minister didn't order anything or didn't, you know, he didn't involve yeah. people, just were trying to please him. So they just assumed this is what he wanted. Um, so, you know, sontaku is a, is a really powerful word. Um, and and it, you see it as this political trend of not serving the best interest of the constituents, but pleasing the people who are above you in power. The whole idea of sontaku is, you know, that instead of being ordered to do something, you do what you think will please someone before you're even asked. So it's mm. presumptive actions are presumptive um, are acting on un, uh, unspoken wishes. And the problem that creates, especially in the Japanese bureaucracy, is that um, people, you, you know, you don't, you, you don't, you have plausible inability because you don't have to order anyone to cover up things or do things that are corrupt. They do it on their own, which is great because there's no, there's no paper trail. Um, one of the things that has been heavily criticized about Suga, and in fact, it was asked to, he was asked recently about it on Fuji Television, was the creation of the Cabinet Personnel Bureau. And what the Cabinet Personnel Bureau does, um, created in 2014, it has control over 600 top positions in the Japanese bureaucracy. And that mm -hmm. means that if you're a bureaucrat, let's say you're a low-ranking member or you're a high-ranking bureaucrat in the Department of Justice, are the Ministry of Health and Welfare. And you do something that doesn't please the administration, or you say something, or criticize a policy that they have, or say, you know, we can't do that because it actually violates the law, um, then not only are you not promoted, there is a good chance that you might actually be demoted, or, you know, sent off to, you know, the Weather Bureau in Aomori, or, you know, some, uh, or, you know, or to, to run some sort of obscure little uh, post um, far away from yeah yeah or, or yeah. the breakfast show on love fm something really dog shit yeah something really dog shit but if you toe the line <laughs> if you if you say like well you know what we can't prosecute any of these we you know we can't indict any of these bureaucrats um who forged public documents and threw them away and lied to the parliament because it's just be very hard to do um as one prosecutor did then mm. you are promoted um everyone who falls in line everyone it's if you cover up you rise up if you stand up you get knocked down um there was one bureaucrat who really opposed the uh the mori tomogakuen deal in which um government land was being sold at an incredibly cheap price um, on orders of the prime minister 
and was asked to forge documents. He killed himself rather than do it. Um, mm. He left notes behind, um, which is one of the things that people are asking to be reinvestigated. And, you know, he kind of shows what happens if you do stand up, you die. If you do terrible things and cover up, um, so you get promoted, you do get promoted. And that culture of Sontaku has been com- completely embodied in a um, part of the cabinet, which is the Cabinet Personnel Bureau. And when Suga was questioned, like, don't you think this is a problem? He said, if anybody doesn't agree with my policy as a bureaucrat, I'll make sure that they're moved somewhere else. It almost sounds like your position is that politicians serve their own interests and not the greater good, which is frankly kind of hard for me to believe. But Derek, since we've gotten onto politics in general, can you help us kind of see this uh, new this new prime minister um, in, in kind of the most basic light? You know, imagine that you're talking to somebody who knows nothing about anything, even though they've lived in Japan for 14 years and probably really should. <laughs> well, you know, J- Jake makes great points about how the elected politicians have gotten more control over the bureaucracy. Mm. It used to be that the bureaucracy of Japan was supposedly its big stumbling block and that the politicians needed to become able to move these intransigent bureaucrats into making changes, you know, that were needed to make Japan a more modern place. The yes minister problem. Yeah. We're, we're seeing the, the kind of flip side of that, which is that politicians are able to, you know, exercise maybe too much control or the wrong kind of control. But regarding the new administration, Suga is putting forth a bit more of a reformist stance. And we'll see, obviously, where that goes. Abe, one of the three main policies of, uh, of Abe was to supposedly make big reforms that were going to make things more efficient. Oh, the, th- and he never the, got the, the to three it. arrows. Yeah, the three arrows, right. And so, you know, uh, that didn't really happen. Uh, And I think everybody acknowledges it. Suga is kind of saying, if the bureaucrats don't fall in line and do what I say, I'm going to move them out of the way and I'm going to make, I'm going to bulldoze these reforms. And he's trying to tout that as a strength. Before we talk about Suga's platform, does the prime minister actually have much power? It's not actually a presidential figure, is it? It's not a presidential level of power, or I I would say variety of power. But I would say that with this new uh, cabinet level control of the top, a lot of the top bureaucratic positions, they now have a lot more influence, just like Jake explained. And do you mean that in terms of executive power? So kind of ignoring having to go through the chambers? Oh, yeah. Uh, There's definitely an executive branch power that exists in the cabinet, uh, just not as the not at the level of presidential executive order, you know, almost fiat that the U.S. president can do. But it is still plenty of power. They can still do a lot of things. So, yeah, there are levers for them to to make things happen. So what did Abe say he was going to do and what didn't he manage to do? And how is Suga claiming he's going to make things better? Jake, what were were Abe's three arrows? Oh, the three arrows to be summarized really quickly was fiscal easing. Um, uh, then what was it? What was the second one? Basically, revitalize the economy, and the last one was structural reform. I'm really simplifying the arrows. Wasn't one of them more women? Oh no, no, that was a completely <laughs> other failed policy. Uh, that was also a joke um, and a hoax. That was womenomics. Yeah. It was going to make Japanese women shine, and you know give them more power in Japanese society he had lofty goals and you know uh, you know percentages of women that were going to be politicians or in top office that he touted and 
quietly reduced. And I think that Abe's Womenomics policy is best summarized in the fact that since he has been in power, the in the uh, in the gender equality rankings, Japan has sunk every year. I think now they're like 122 out of 153 countries. So yeah, uh, Womenomics wasn't a very successful one. And this is an issue that's already uh, being brought up in terms of Suga's cabinet as well, because uh, as the cabinet was announced, you know, and formalized and finalized earlier today, we're having this discussion on a Wednesday, but uh, as it was announced earlier today, I think he's got, what, two female members of his cabinet, as opposed to rows upon rows of faces of old Japanese men. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a matter of, of numbers in the LDP. Uh, you usually have to choose cabinet members from members of the diet, and there are just not that many members of the diet in the LDP that are, you know, that have the chops to do a cabinet position. As I understand it, the bars to run for local office, especially the financial bars, are extremely high. Right. So, you know, it costs 50,000 USD if you want to run for a city assembly seat where I live in Hachioji, for example. That's insane. You know? So uh, and, and in order to get to the national level and win enough times in your national district to become a member of the cabinet, you have to have uh, first usually been a local politician or a prefectural level politician or a major bureaucrat. So, I mean, it's... It's hard the to barter breaking in for somebody who's coming from the outside is pretty close to impossible. And I should mention that the only reason that I know this is because once I was on a show called Yoso de Iwantoite, where there were three guests. I was there to talk about how Americans don't use tissues to clean up after sex the way Japanese people do. There was a, a <laughs> red light journalist who was there to talk about how apparently Japan invented the hand job. And there was a woman who had failed to run for local office because the financial pre-qualifications and prerequisites were way too high. And she was there to talk about that. And they edited her out of the final show. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we should mention here that Suga got his start as, um, as a secretary for a politician and then became a Yokohama City Assemblyman, um, which, was his, which was how he rose to political power. Um, I don't know that if he gave hand jobs anyway as he was running for <laughs> national office. They hadn't been invented yet. But by the way, forgive me a second for Ali. I just have to ask Bobby here because I haven't lived in the United States for a long time. What do we use to clean up after sex in the United States or do we just not clean up? So I, I had included this as a part in a book that I wrote in 2015 about, you know, cultural differences. And I made it very clear that, you know, what I was saying didn't apply to everyone. But one of the things that I talked about was how in Japan, there were tissues everywhere. And in America, you generally only use tissues to blow your nose. And I was surprised at how often I saw tissues, you know, people handing out tissues on the street, tissues left all over the house. And one of the things I talked about in relation to that was using tissues to clean up after sex. Whereas in America, in I think my generation and a little bit older, you would occasionally see this trope on TV of like couples arguing about who had to sleep in the wet spot or teenagers like masturbating into socks or things like that. And it was just that, you know, there are other ways to deal with it or you don't deal with it. You just wash the sheets the next day. Whereas Japan, it's that was one of the main uses for tissues. 
You know, that is that is something that I'm going to keep in mind as, as we go along filming uh, Tokyo Vice, I've, I've, the, the tissue connection there. I'll, I'll talk to props immediately. Thank you, Bobby. Regrettably, I wonder whether this might be the main takeaway from this episode. <laughs> I uh, hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping this that. ends up on the editing floor. <laughs> editing floor. So real quick, uh, now, now Jake and I have both found a way to mention TV projects we're involved in. Guys, what do you got? Uh, well, I, I can tell you uh, how I won't be involved in a TV project. I put on a show for a TV executive uh, to come and watch, and uh, he left during the interval. Uh, di- didn't even, yeah, didn't even bother to say he didn't like it. Just uh, yeah, so that that's one way of dealing with things, isn't it? So uh, thanks for asking that question, Bobby. I gave an honest answer, and now I feel sad. Uh, let's right. Let's go back to. Yeah, we're supposed to be feeling sad about the state of affairs of Japan, not our personal lives. Precisely. Yeah. So, Derek, I'd like to know, as someone that has worked for for a diet member, are these politicians whipped? I mean, not in the same way that Jake's girlfriend whips her clients for uh, listeners of Jake's episode that uh, we never really dug properly into. And I don't think we have time this episode either. That was your fault. Wait for Jake's third appearance for that. Uh, But do these politicians have a mind of their own or basically are they just a mouthpiece for their party? Uh, The average member of the diet is very beholden to their party. So, uh, you know, when the, when, when the party leaders uh, call upon them to vote for a particular thing, if they don't have their own, for example, really strong base or their own dynastic uh, long-term, you know, situation going, uh, they're just rank and file. There's no way they're going to go against it, almost ever. So does that mean, Derek, that it's just not going to happen, that there are any LDP members who are going to say they're unhappy with this appointment? Uh, well, now that they have voted Suga in as the LDP president, I am, I, there won't be any members who come out and say, I don't think he should be president. Uh, it remains to be seen how vindictive he is expected to be when opposed within the party. And it could return to more of a traditional LDP situation where people are a little more vocal or there are a little bit more, uh, a little, a few more expressions of you know, difference in, in viewpoint. With, uh, with Abe's administration, as Jake pointed out, they had a really strong, you'd call it discipline or uh, you know, just a really heavy um, hand. So a question I have for both of you then is where do you see us going forward in Japan? You know, what do you think uh, Suga tenure has in store for us? Um, I think Suga's tenure will be relatively short. Um, I think that they'll probably, uh, sooner or later, they'll call for general elections and then um, somebody younger, more popular will take over. Um, I just think the nature of, of, of things is that Suga is not particularly likable um, and that once the sort of very short romance wears off that somebody else will take over um, and whether that person will last for a long time or a short time is really hard to say. I think... Uh, it will be many years before we see a sort of uh, prime minister revolving every year kind of situation that we had before. You don't think we'll find somebody who, who can who can make politics sexy, like Koizumi Shinjiro? Koizumi Shinjiro is an idiot. I mean, he's good looking, <laughs> but he's an idiot. I'm sorry. <laughs> He'll make it sexy, though. Yeah. He's got to make it sexy. <laughs> also, can we have less hate for good looking idiots, please? <laughs> Bobby has feelings too. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think uh, I think Jake's pretty pretty close. Uh, I'm pretty close to his opinion, I should say. You know, Suga might last a few years. Um, he has to call a general election by October 2021. 
And in that general election, the LDP will probably lose a few seats, I'm guessing. So it could be the case that LDP insiders start to get restless and want somebody sexier and newer. So that could definitely happen. But I don't think we'll have a revolving door. And we also won't have another seven years and eight months uh, administration either. It's going to get a little bit more medium and maybe be pretty boring, actually. But uh, Koizumi Shinjiro is... um, you know, he's seen as a great young hope of the LDP by a lot of the public, but I don't think that the people inside the LDP see him as super sharp or anything. He talks like his dad, but he's not as, I don't think, cunning as his dad. These next few years might be pretty boring, might be your famous last words, Derek. Uh, do we have a worst case scenario? What if Suga goes power hungry? What What's the worst case scenario for his platform? <sighs> wow, Suganomics leads Japan into... Uh... Uh, even greater disparity between the rich and the poor. Um, everyone sort of figures out because he doesn't have obvious charisma that the Jap- Jap- Japan is in serious trouble. We have rising deflation. The whole country falls apart. Um, policies that have been designed to benefit large corporations continue to benefit them while lots of people lose their jobs and Japan enters a giant, horrible depression. Um, that's the worst case scenario. Um, also, civil liberties vanish. <laughs> I mean, that's the worst case scenario for a Suga administration, but isn't that also what's going to happen anyway? I feel like that's what's going to happen no matter what. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that, you know, I, I have hoped that actually rational policy planning and uh, a good tax system and all those things and, and good governance might actually make for a, a, a better, happier more Utsukushi Japan, but, you know, I'm an optimist. One thing that I think uh, Japan has shown over the years, even the LDP, is that when there gets to be a bit of a trend toward disparity, even inside the LDP, there's a move to try and make things more egalitarian um, on small scales, let's say. Uh, But right now, the consumption tax, which everybody knows uh, is regressive and hurts the poor the most, uh, is one that even I think LDP is going to start to look at as, you know, as a weakness in elections. Uh, and that's something that Yamamoto Taro is really, uh, is really pressing on as a leader of a new party called Reiwa Shinsengumi. Uh, and so he's, he's making a real push to get rid of the consumption tax. And the other opposition parties are seeing the popularity of that. And I think LDP may eventually try to co-opt that. Didn't Suga just recently reverse some of his comments about the consumption tax? He said he thinks that the consumption tax will eventually have to go up more. And then he half backtracked by saying, but not for another 10 years. You know, so uh, it, that's, that's going to be a big problem. But I do agree with Jake that disparity has increased over the last several years. And that's a, that's a big weakness for the LDP. But also it's a, it's a big social problem. Derek, I noticed that you called CNN to task on uh, having some commentator get a load of things wrong. Yeah, uh, that was today. Uh, The CNN reporter who's based in Hong Kong and who spent a few weeks during COVID running around with a microphone in Hachiko Crossing and other places, um, he he said that the new defense minister is Abe's son. (laughs) And he said that um, Abe's a third-generation prime minister, uh, whereas... You know, Abe actually wanted to be prime minister because his dad didn't make it. And anyway, he was just super duper uninformed in his uh, interview 
you know, with the anchor. But the, uh, the, this does happen all the time. Whenever someone is on the news talking about something which you know a lot about, you get absolutely infuriated, right? How on yeah, earth are they not know? Absolutely. But then, of course, you forget that the ninety-eight percent of other bits of news which you haven't got a flying, <laughs> flying fuck of a clue about, you just nod along, yeah. going, "Oh, they must be experts." So I do have a lot of uh, a lot of sympathy for how uh, angry you must have felt. But have you have you noticed that the West has kind of got <laughs> got their spotlight on Sugo wrong in other ways or well the fact that they think he's a poor strawberry farmer that you know put a furoshiki over his back you know on a pole and walked into tokyo last week. that's a pretty you know stupid thing i i didn't get angry i was just like cnn might maybe you should pay for a tokyo bureau and somebody who knows you know their ass from a hole in the ground talk to even jake Talk to even Jake Adelstein about it. You can find out that he's a Yakuza instead of finding out that the new defense minister is the son of a person that's five years older than you. you know, so, Jake, I mean, Jake, Jake, are you going to accept yeah. that? Even Jake Adelstein is better than this shit? I, I would I would accept that. I mean, I like Will as a person, but sometimes, you know, I, I, it was Will, right? I'm assuming. It yeah, was Will, I like yeah. Will as a person. I, 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 you know, I, I, I also think that he's... Like every, you know, like every bureau chief left in this, you're still out as foreign correspondent, you're stretched across like half the world. And if someone isn't on your staff, isn't actually writing you the, the right script, how can you keep track of this stuff? Exactly. And before we go any further, I just want to kind of take a step back and contextualize this and give some background for our listeners who might not be aware. Derek, what is the difference between an asshole and the hole in the ground? Yeah, I, I, I don't even know yet. Uh, <laughs> you have to study at least 20 years as an apprentice. <laughs> if you can find that out. So, yeah. And, and let me say about about Jake, uh, you know, it's 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 funny because um Jake gets a lot of flack from other foreigners in Japan, you know, who think that he's really extreme in his takes or he's, you know, he's over the top. And he is over the top. I think that uh, I think that Jake's would probably agree with it. He, that he's over the top compared to a lot of people who write about Japan. But uh, he brings up great points uh, all the time. And so there is that. And then there's talk to somebody who knows what's going on, uh, you know, in Japan and pay for somebody to be in Tokyo. Your CNN for, you know, God's sake. Jake, you're going to accept that? Spend, Jake I, makes great points, I, but also talk to someone who knows what's going on. Oh, he knows what's going on, too. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. You know. I, I, would, I would say that, that uh, uh, you know, that I, I, that I, I definitely realize that you know, occasionally I look at the comments and they're like, oh, like people think I'm like really extreme. Um, but, you know, that's okay because uh, it, it doesn't mean that I'm not right. <laughs> so uh, I will take, even talk what? to Jake Adelstein. It's like, yeah. You could talk to basically talk to any reporter who's been here a while, and they would have been able to tell you, like, no, uh, the, the new defense minister is not Abe's brother. It's not Abe's. It's not Abe's son, and that Abe is not a third generation prime minister. He's a third generation politician, yeah. but uh, exactly. But his, you know, his father did not make it as prime minister. So he's a second generation Mario. <laughs> <laughs> So for listeners that have managed to get through this bumper episode and are now excited about their next socially distant pub visit where they can explain the the system in Japan and what this new prime minister is all about, what should be their main hot takes? Derek, what's the conservative hot take? Jake, what's the conspiracy theory one? Why, why do we make <laughs> I'm not a conservative. But um, I, I will say this. Um, the, the main takeaway on the new prime minister of Japan, Suga, is that he's going to be pretty boring and I think that he's going to manage things decently stay with stability. It's going to be all about stability. And Japanese voters like stability. 
So I think that he or his, you know, uh, his party are going to still do pretty well for the next few years. Okay, the the the, the extremist theory is the extremist viewpoint is that Suga is a power hungry, uh, immoral, manipulative, uh, greedy, don't hold back. <laughs> greedy, two faced uh, scumbag with really dark ties who will continue to do whatever benefits him and his cronies in the LDP rather than what benefits the people of Japan, further pushing apart, further creating more disparity between the rich and the poor here. And um, corruption scandal after scandal will follow, um, and life for the average person in Japan will not get any better. Um, but at the same time, we will have a little bit of mirth in our lives because we have a prime minister who's also known by two different names. One is barcode, referring to the fact that he sweeps his hair over his bald head to the side, <laughs> looking much like a barcode on, mm. like when you scan your Oreos or your your matcha Oreos um, at the grocery store. And Thank you for localizing <laughs> that for our Japanese <laughs> listeners, Jake. <laughs> matcha kitakato. <laughs> you know, you got the little barcode. Uh, so we have, we have, we have Mr. Barcode is our prime minister. That's one thing. And he also has this other incredibly unflattering name, which, which someone told me from the LDP yesterday. He is a huge fan of Toyoto Hideyoshi. Yeah. Who was the vassal of Nobunaga. Um, you know, in the 1500s, who was, you know, who was also from a rural bureau, a peasant who rose all the way to the top. Um, and then yeah, there's a sense that Suga might see himself as kind of like a Hideyoshi oh, figure. He, he does. He does. He, he openly admires Toyotomi. Um, and Toyotomi was, did, you know, did, did unify Japan. He's credited with that. He did also launch a disastrous war in Korea, which Japan lost. But um, looking at his foreign policy, Suga will probably do that as well. Um, but well, you heard it from Jake. We're going to Asia. <laughs> no, no, we're not. We're not going to go to Asia. We're just not going to get along with. Just Korea. like every no, no, LDP administration. Guys, go guys you are so. You guys have become so Japanese. I, let me remind you, we are in Asia. <laughs> we are in Asia right now. You no, know, we are in a tiny island country. Japan is different from Asia. Um, oh, but the other thing that I like about Suga is that uh, he has this nickname, which refers to his love of Toyotomi um, Hiroyoshi within the LDP by the people that don't like him. Um, and Nobunaga gave uh, Toyotomi this horrible nickname based on his slightly skinny stature and simian appearance, which was Kozaru, little, little monkey. monkey. So in in the back halls of Nagatacho, there are already people referring to Suga as barcode and little monkey. And really, for me, that's the most interesting thing. Which nickname will stick? As long as it's not sugar, I won't block them on Twitter. <laughs> well, even little monkeys can eventually fall from grace. And so the question seems to be, how long is he going to stick around before that happens? I think he's going to win uh, enough. He's going to maintain enough seats in the election that happens sometime before October 2021 uh, to be able to stay in power. I don't think he hands over the reins at that time. Uh, and so he'll probably be, a, I think, a two or three year, uh, maybe, prime minister, just I'm, I'm betting on a year, but I, I, I also think that Derek might be right. I'll price is right it and go one day.
Hey, thanks very much for listening to this bonus episode of Japan by River Cruise. Thanks as ever to those who are regular subscribers. If you're new to the show, then please do hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to the podcast. And if you're old to the show, then normal River Cruise episodes will resume from next week. Thank you very much to our guests this week. We had former Japanese diet aide Derek Westman and future Ansel Elgort, Jake Edelstein. Derek, uh, if our listeners enjoyed your stuff, where can they find more from you? Um, yeah, I, I tweet.、Uh, tweeting is about all I do. At DWVCD,、uh, I put Japan politics as a hashtag、uh, sometimes. And、uh, eight times out of nine, I'm just tweeting photos of my bad food. And Jake, if we'd like to catch up with you before、uh, Tokyo Vice premieres on HBO Max,、uh, where can we find your stuff? You can find me on the Daily Beast very often or the Asia Times. Um, with the long name Jake Adelstein, just put it in the search box or、um, the blog that I run with other people called japansubculture.com. And you can also find me on Twitter under the very hard to find name at Jake Adelstein. So many ways、All、to、right. find me. And don't forget that both Derek and Jake have previously appeared as guests on the show. So do scroll <laughs> back and listen to their hot takes there. Thanks so much. We'll see you guys next week. Hey!